when I shut the door, I immediately knew something had gone terribly wrong. I thought to myself, Houston, we have a problem. Hi, I'm Megan Finnerty, and this is the Beacon Story Podcast from the Foundation Fighting Blindness and the Allergan Foundation. We're featuring funny, unexpected stories from people with blindness or vision loss and the medical specialists working to research, treat, and end blinded diseases. On this episode, you'll hear from space shuttle engineer and scientist Tracy B. Minish. Tracy's story will take us from Russia to the coast of Africa, and it involves partial nudity and underwear, as well as emergency flights, last-minute miracles, and the power of a father's love. During my 36-year NASA career, I've trained shuttle astronauts, I've served as a branch chief, I've traveled all around the good planet Earth, helping international partners set up their control centers, and I'm currently the Mission Control Center Operations Manager. Um, I have retinitis pigmentosa. To be specific, I have PRPF 31. I've been legally blind since I was in high school and I have less than five degrees in my fellow vision lab. So if you look through like a garden hose and um, took out about 30 to 40% of the pixels, you would see what I see. In the summer of 2011, I was in Moscow at the Volga. The Volga is an old hotel with tall ceilings, dim lighting, lots of steps up and lots of steps down. That night, I got up to go to the bathroom, and when I shut the door, I immediately knew something had gone terribly wrong. I thought to myself, Houston, we have a problem. I had locked myself out of my room wearing only my Fruit of the Loom whitey tidies. I did not have a cane, I did not have a cell phone, I had no teammates on the same floor. I did a quick inspection of my underwear. They were clean and I knew that my mom would be proud of her little boy. Uh, I made my way to the elevator, and as I waited for it to open, I started thinking, what if somebody's on there? What uh, if it's a female? Doors open, nobody screamed, so far so good. So I got on the elevator, and there was this big array of buttons, and I could not see the numbers. So since I was in Russia, I decided to play Russian roulette, and I just hit the bottommost button. Bingo, I'd chosen wisely and I'd made it to the lobby area. So before I was going to enter the lobby, I decided I would just in my mind, think about the obstacle course that lay before me. I would have to go into the lobby area, stepping down three or four steps. I'd have to turn to the right. It'd be about five meters. And then I'd go up two steps. I'd go across 20 more meters, go down two steps, turn to the right, and there'd be a front desk. Just to psych myself up, I started saying, USA, USA, because I was representing NASA in my country in the Volga Olympics, and I would not do a face plant in my whitey ties. Like a ninja, I eventually made it to the front desk, and I asked the person there to give me a key and a towel. Now, now the towel, you would think, would be to wrap up my fruit of the loom, but I decided instead that I would use it as a tether I didn't think my Russian comrade would like it if I grabbed hold of his arm and we paraded through the lobby with me wearing my underwear. I had three lessons learned from that uh, journey. First one was keep my cell phone on me at all times. Second one was don't totally shut the bathroom door. And the third one was boxers, boxers, boxers. 
you know, I learned a lot while traveling blind to unfamiliar places, but nothing, really nothing could prepare me for the phone call and the trip I'd make four years ago. Our oldest son, Tyler, just has an adventurous heart. You know, he likes to hike and scuba dive, and he's been to Peru, Norway, New Zealand, Alaska, Hawaii. And he was in Africa on a 10-day safari where the last day he was going to go scuba diving off the coast of Zanzibar. It was actually a Sunday night at about 10.30 p.m. It was July the 17th of 2016 when Sherry and I received the phone call telling us that Tyler had come up from scuba diving and he was paralyzed on his right side and he was um, paralyzed below his sternum. They had to drag him on the boat. These are difficult words for any parent to hear. As Sherry and I cried together. We got down on our knees and prayed together. And we got up and decided we had to make a plan. Now at NASA, we have the Nutris Buoyancy Lab. It's the world's largest swimming pool. And we train astronauts on how to do spacewalks. And we also have a hyperbaric chamber there. So even though it's near midnight, I called our good friend Mike Fox, who's over those chamber runs. And Mike told us under no circumstances could Tyler get on a commercial flight to come home because flying at that altitude could release nitrogen bubbles and possibly kill him. So when I got off the phone, I knew immediately I'd be going to Africa. I had a passport. I was familiar with international travel and failure was not an option. So that morning I went into work, got my passport out of my desk. I stopped by and told my division chief I'd be gone for a few days. And then I went by CVS, the minute clinic, got the vaccinations I needed and got online to buy an airline ticket to um, Zanzibar. I would be flying first to London, and then I would have a six-hour layover. Next, I would fly to Cairo, have a four-hour layover, and then I'd make it to Tanzania. When I got to Tanzania, I would actually take um, a plane over to the island of Zanzibar and make my way to the hospital. It was $10,000, and I'd be leaving at 4 p.m. on Monday. Um, my wife, she, her passport had expired, so she would stay home and run mission Rescue Tyler from Houston. Um, Sherry and I got together. I threw three shirts, three pair of shorts, and three pair of boxers in a duffel bag. As we were going to the airport, we heard from Tyler for the first time. And his voice was strong. He just sounded so courageous. Um, he had already had a chamber run, and he had gotten use of his right arm was still um, paralyzed below the sternum. He told us that he, if he had to, he'd become the best wheelchair athlete in the world. And, and hearing Tyler's word just emboldened me for the trip that lay before me. After 31 hours, I made it to Tanzania. When I got off the plane, I kind of just tried to follow the shadows to go through uh, customs. And for some reason, I ended up outside. Nobody checked my passport. Nobody had taken my crib 
$100 bill that I was going to use to get a visa. To make things worse, Sherry had arranged for someone to meet me there, and they were going to help me get to the island and to the hospital. Uh, my phone was dead. But some way I managed to get to a small airport, bought a ticket, and when I got on the plane, I realized I was sitting on a bench, no seatbelt. I had bought a ticket on a skydiving plane, and they had not given me a parachute. And they ended up dropping me off after the wheels touched down, and I made my way to the hospital. Tyler and I just had such a joyous reunion. And the good news was that Tyler had another chamber run. So he was actually able to walk, but he had no feeling below his sternum, and he was having to have a catheter. And the hospital he was in was in the inner city, way away from the uh, resort area. It had no air conditioning. Um, it had shower head between the toilet and the sink. And the whole time we were there, had three to four inches of standing water. It had no cafeteria, and it had no food service for its patients, and it had lots of mosquitoes. Our daily routine was that the local doctor pick us up, he would drive us out to the resort area, where we were blessed to have a hyperbaric chamber, and we would, um, he would get three runs, and then about 9 p.m., we would ride back, and the doctor would drop us off at the hospital. On every trip, we got stopped multiple times by the police and the military, and they had machine guns, so it was really pretty scary. After about seven days of this doctor getting off work and doing this, he did not see improvement in Tyler, so he decided to stop treatments. This was totally against what we were hearing from our doctors in the U.S. Now, on day one, Sherry and I had started trying to figure out how we were going to get Tyler home, and we found out that it would require a Learjet flying at low altitude and $1.2 million. And of course, as you can imagine, the insurance company said not covered. So Sherry and I looked at all our options. We thought about selling our house. I'm starting to go fund me, uh, cashing out our 401k, using a boat. But none of those added up to $1.2 million. And we needed to get Tyler home quick and fast. So on August 1st, the insurance company actually called and said they would cover the airfare. And August 1st is Sherry's birthday, so best birthday present ever. Um, we were picked up by an ambulance, taken to the Learjet sitting on the runway. They'd be making seven stops along the way. After they came out to check our passports, they took me off the plane and they put me in the airport. And when I was getting off the plane, I told the pilots that if I'm not back in 30 minutes, take off without me. Because I knew there were regulations. This is a long flight. We had a tight schedule. And if you take too long, it, it just wouldn't be possible. So I was sitting in this little room they put me in. And I'd been sitting there for 10 minutes. And I finally said, I got to do something. So I opened up the door, walked out into the middle of the area. And I bent over, grabbed my knees. And I just started pretending I had dry hands. Oh! <laughs> I, mean, I was throwing myself into it. And just in a few minutes, several people surrounded me. Next thing I know, they were putting me on the plane. And we were cleared to launch. You know, at NASA, we don't take off, we launch. So that was such a joyous moment for us to actually be on our way home. Uh, we met Sherry in New Orleans, where Tyler went through two more weeks of treatment in a hyperbaric chamber with some amazing doctors there. 
I'll say three things got me through this journey. My faith in God, Sherry, my family and kids, and additionally Tyler, because he was just a tower of power and I leaned on him a lot. Um, I have a praise report. Tyler is doing great and he is engaged to a wonderful young lady named Emily and they are getting married on May 22nd. And you are all invited. Um, I actually have three sons. So Tyler, Carson, and Chase. Carson is my middle son, and he also has PRPL 31. And this makes five generations our family has battled against uh, retinitis pigmentosa. The Foundation Fighting Blindness, incredible doctors like Gene Bennett, um, Eric Pierce, and other researchers are giving hope and sight to the blind. I just say, if you have an inherited retina disease, I urge you to go get DNA testing and the register in the retina tracker. If you don't know your specific DNA defect, you can't be part of human trials. Now, Carson and Maddie gifted us with our first grandbaby in February, and Hank just happens to be here, so I'm gonna introduce you to him. <laughs> this is Carson, and this is baby Hank. And I am confident because of the work the Foundation Fighting Blindness is doing, that we are on the verge of eradicating blindness. So I would say, join the good fight. Failure is not an option. Hey, he steals the show every time. Thank you. That was Tracy B. Minish, a space shuttle engineer and scientist. Tracy, we so appreciate your story and we're so glad everything turned out for your son. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is sharing these stories so you can understand life with vision loss, as well as the everyday moments that make these storytellers' lives like, and unlike, everyone else's. In 1971, a passionate group of families wanted to help their loved ones, and they set out to drive the search for finding treatments and cures to end blinding retinal diseases. Learn more about their work at fightingblindness.org. <laughs>